God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And wow, you know, Biden knows how to put his mu- uh, foot in his mouth, doesn't he? So uh, he was calling MAGA deplorable. <laughs> it's the same thing, right? It's uh, absolutely re- you know, absurd that he would do that. But you know, they don't learn from their, their mistakes of the past. And that was one of the phrases that practically cost Hillary Clinton the her election victory. That was one of the things. That and she's just absolutely an awful candidate and corrupt. But Biden basically said that MAGA is the most extreme organization in America history political organization. I have the longer clip on that, and then I wanted to uh, play a clip that uh, Tulsi Gabbard talked about, and then Laura Trump also weighed in on this particular uh, commentary. So let's take a listen. You're going to hear this clip. This clip is the longer version. And in the first part, part of this clip for Joe Biden, in the first part, he talks about your rights come from God. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what we're saying over here on the right to life side of the equation is we're saying that the baby also is a, uh, has a right to life by God. And, um, but, but he's only talking about the mother here, but it's interesting that he, he uses that argument and he pretty much makes the case. I mean, if I was a liberal, I would be, or or a handler, you know, or somebody who handles uh, Biden, I, I would be squinting my eyes and grimacing like, oh, you just stepped in it. Because he, he can't win the argument now. That argument is lost to the Democrats. Because if they're going to use the, uh, you know, the uh, rights are... Uh, 
you know, rights that come from God argument, then it applies to the baby as well. So this is interesting. So take a listen to this beginning part. And then in the middle, he talks about Griswold. And then he gets into the MAGA part. It's a minute and a half clip. But this is the longer version, one you may not have heard. I, I was going to play the shorter version. And I thought, everybody's heard the shorter version by now. Let's listen to the longer version. And then we'll peel this onion. Oh, yeah, here we go. All right, we're coming right back at you here. Boom. I was getting on the plane to go down to Alabama. Um, this is about a lot more than abortion. I, I hadn't read the whole opinion at that time. But this reminds me of the debate with Robert Bork. Bork believed the only reason you had any inherent rights was because the government gave them to you. If you go back and look at the opening comments of the Bork Biden when I was questioning him as chairman, I said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. I delegated by joining this union here to delegate some obligation, some rights I have to the governments for, for social good. So the idea that somehow there is an inherent right that there is no right of privacy, that there is no right. And remember the debate we had, you don't remember, but we had a debate about uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. There had been a law saying a married couple could not purchase birth control in the privacy of their own bedroom and use it. Well, that got struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork, and I'm, my guess is the guy's on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a uh, state ch changes the law saying that that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children. Is that, is that legit under the way the, the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex organization that's existed in American history. In recent American history. This MAGA crowd is the most extreme political organization that exists in American history? Let's see, we support borders? We support family? We support religious freedom? I mean, I'm a MAGA guy. I'm a Make America First, uh, Make America First guy. I understand what those policies are all about. There's nothing radical about them. And, you know, the left makes up numbers and manufactures things because they, they bury the numbers as well. That's their M.O. Look at what they're doing with the border, right, in Title 42. They don't want accountability at all. They don't want to know the numbers. They don't want to know. Them. Look at what they did with the census question. We, we're not going to ask whether you're a citizen or not. We, we, we don't want that checkbox on the census. Are you an American citizen? How in the world can that be debatable on the census? We don't want to know. And when Obama was talking about ban the box on federal employment applications, he wasn't talking about 
whether or not you you had a criminal record. He was talking about he wasn't talking about skin color. He was talking about whether you had a criminal record. That's what he was talking about. So ban the box under the Obama regime was about we don't want to know your what your the content of your character. We want to know the color of your skin. It was the exact opposite of Martin Luther King and his dream speech and not be judged by the content of one's character but by the not, not be judged by the color of one's skin but by the content of their character and so there there it was but the democrats have it upside down and backwards the democrats have it upside down and backwards so they don't want to know they don't want to know the numbers but this, uh, this he just insulted 80 million voters. And he basically made the same mistake as the deplorables. There's no way this guy got 80 million votes. No way. Nobody likes him. His poll numbers are through, through the floor right now. He's tanking big time. But here we are. So let's take a listen to Tulsi Gabbard. She she actually was on Hannity, and she had a response to this. This is pretty good. saying the MAGA political organization, the group BLM. Uh, what do we want, dead cops? What do we want them now? Well, you're a Democrat. How do you react to that? Because it's obviously ridiculous. It's worse than ridiculous, Sean. It is absolutely <laughs> despicable and outrageous. When you look at the president of the United States of America calling millions of Americans essentially terrorists, people who politically opposed him or voted against him, he's calling them terrorists in an attempt to intimidate them into silence. And we know this is because we've heard this before from both him and his attorney general. You'll remember when when his attorney general said, you know, anyone who holds extremist or anti-authority views will be targeted for investigation and potential prosecution by their domestic terrorist unit. So he's essentially saying that this quote-unquote MAGA crowd are worse than terrorists. Uh, this is outrageous. And, and so for every American who's watching, every American who's seen this, no matter how you feel about the MAGA crowd, this is an authoritarian assault on our freedom. And we need to stand together very strongly against this attempt to intimidate and silence anyone who holds political views that are different from or opposed to what this president and his administration are furthering. This is an assault on our democracy. I want your thoughts on on the rush to, to cling to this potential decision in the Supreme Court that would overrule Roe v. Wade. Number one, Joe Biden supported uh, a constitutional amendment to get rid of it. Interesting. He's not been asked the question. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg pretty much saying and arguing what I had said all my career, which I thought it was bad law. It'll be returned to the states. Abortion is not going to be unavailable or illegal in America. So they're demagoguing that issue. I'm arguing the reason they're doing it is because they don't have anything else that they can run on and say, hey, we did this, this and this, and we're all all better off because of it. Am I wrong? Well, I think when you look at the different efforts to assault our freedom and democracy, it continuously points to the fact that they're afraid of the people. 
They're afraid of us. They're afraid of this question being put to the people through their state legislatures, for the people's voices to be heard. Uh, I think it's also critical to point out that uh, this leak sets a very, very dangerous precedent for our Supreme Court for three important reasons. Number one is, first of all, this person is a thief who stole this information, released it with the very specific intent to try to incite protesters and intimidate and pressure our Supreme Court justices to make a political decision rather than a decision that is based on the Constitution. Uh, number two, we have the fact that— um, you know, the Supreme Court is not in place to legislate from the bench. Uh, people's representatives at the state level, at the federal level, are charged to make laws, not the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court needs to make decisions uh, based on the Constitution. And the Department of Justice, lastly, needs to go and prosecute this uh, crime, which is exactly what it is, and make an example out of the person who leaked this information, because our Supreme Court justices cannot operate under the fear that they will have partisan political activists in their house uh, intimidating and threatening their ability to do their job per the Constitution. And there was a th uh, apparently J Justice Alito was supposed to give uh, remarks at an event and he had to cancel. Uh, and we know why. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, always great. All right. So, you know, there's a lot of things interesting about that. Uh, when I was talking about the numbers before that clip, I was talking about like how they're using LBGDQ as a weapon. They use all these different minority groups that are so small as a weapon. And, you know, you're going to hear Lara, Lara Trump uh, say, you know, and remind us all that it was Trump that hired Rick Grinnell, the first gay, openly gay cabinet member, uh, to his administration. So, you know, Trump has broken all kinds of, you know, the things that they blame Trump for, uh, phobias and, and, um, and, uh, discriminatory uh, things that they blame him for, whatever group. Trump has been probably the best president when it came to these types of things. He, he led the world in terms of punishment of gay people around the world. And, you know, they were getting pushed off of roofs and things like that as punishment. And he uh, cracked down on that and was very vocal, more than any other leader. And so, you know, I just don't understand the gay community uh, not embracing Trump and embracing this, you know, this whole other rhetoric. Uh, we're going to get into talking about inflation today as well, um, because that's that's also something that's really critical. And we have a really good clip for that. Uh, this guy uh, uh, that's going to be speaking um, really gave a great assessment of the situation. I agree with him 100 percent. All right, so you just heard Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard strikes me as, you know, making a move uh, because I'll never forgive her for voting to impeach Donald Trump. But if Trump were to actually take her on as a VP candidate, it's sort of like the J.D. Vance thing. It's like, okay, well, Trump supports J.D. Vance even though I don't like him, so I guess I have to support him. Not really. It doesn't really work that way. But now that J.D. Vance is going against Tim Ryan in Ohio for the Senate, of course I'm going to take J.D. Vance over Tim Ryan. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. And, of course, we knew that J.D. Vance was going to win. That's why we were banging the drums saying don't do it. Because once he gets into the Senate, 
he's going to be a Mitt Romney Republican. I guarantee it. And, you know, sad to see it. But you're going to hear Laura Trump say Trump's 55 and 0 right now. Talk about coattails. And talk about a guy who has zero coattails. You got that guy, too. And we're going to get into that. That's a kind of an interesting thing because Tim Ryan basically came out and said, I don't want Biden campaigning for me. I don't want that. So let's take a listen now to uh, we just heard what Biden had to say and we heard Tulsi Gabbard. You know, Tulsi Gabbard checks off a lot of boxes if she's a VP candidate. And I almost think that she's positioning herself. I would not be surprised if she would say yes, if asked, given the circumstances, I guess. And people would ask her, why did you impeach Trump? And she would have said, I was part of a Democrat machine where if I didn't, I was going to be thrown out of the the, the Congress by Nancy Pelosi and just turn on them. Yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? But she she get she she'll get a lot of uh, Democrat switchover. She'll uh, Trump will appear to be open minded as to cro- uh, working across the aisle. You'll get this woman's vote. She's a very attractive woman, and you might even win Ohio- Hawaii, the, the most liberal state in the country. Who knows? Who knows about that? I doubt that actually. But on the same, you know, maybe. You never know. I don't know what the numbers are in Hawaii, actually. But I will say this, that she's coming across on Ukraine as very strong. And she's also coming across, uh, you know, on this issue as, you know, very supportive. And, um, you know, with regard to Ukraine, I read this article and I'm going to cover it a little bit today as well. J.D. Vance, the article is over at National Pulse thenationalpulse.com. And it's like this. It's uh, written by, I think it's written, but yeah, it's written by Steve Cortez, who supported J.D. Vance and endorsed J.D. Vance. Um, And he says, Vance's victory over Ukraine warmongers is an America first foreign policy win. Trump's endorsement was essential and J.D.'s rhetoric on foreign policy proved critical. So Tulsi Gabbard is a Democrat that was also, uh, you know, thinking that the war in Russia or war in Ukraine by Russia uh, had more to do with supply chain dynamics, military industrial complex, and a lot of other things. She, She was on record as saying all of that, just basically letting the cat out of the bag, just exposing it all, the corruption and the, and everything. And Lindsey Graham you know, loves this war in Ukraine. He just loves it because he's he profits from the military industrial complex and the four four currencies on the black market that pay for the weapons. Oil pays for the weapons. Drugs pay for the oil and people pay for the drugs, you know, and it's human trafficking. It's sex trafficking. It's drugs. So it's humans. It's drugs. It's oil and it's uh, weapons arms and that's that's what it is those four currencies oligarchs deal in that kind of business and 
Lindsey Graham and John McCain and Amy Klobuchar and all these jokers, Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and all their children, the Biden crime family, all of them have gotten rich off of Ukraine, a money laundering capital of the world. Cyprus is another one. There's a lot of countries that are designated as Colombia as a money laundering company. You find Obama down there selling books, (laughs) you know, doing all kinds of trade down in Colombia to get rid of the cash he got from the Iran nuclear deal or the JCPOA deal, which was worth $150 billion. You don't think he took a few crumbs off of that? Every deal that Joe Biden's making these days, every single deal, who's to say he doesn't call up Zelensky and say, hey, Bubba, um, you know, I'm going to give you this $800 million here today, and then I'll give you $2 billion next week. You know, and it's, it's just billions after billions after billions. I'm hearing about all this COVID relief money going down to the border states like El Paso, all for political consultants to get rich. And I was like, look, I'm going to give you this money to get these people in. You know, Catholic charities and all these different organizations are taking these uh, illegals and migrants and putting them in battleground states all over the country to win an election, steal an election. And you better believe that the people that are getting these contracts are given money by the country, by the government, and then they're given a kickback to the person who made them rich. Research and developers do that with Fauci all the time. You're giving me $7 million in grant money? Well, surely I could take you out to lunch. Surely I could put you on a private jet. Surely I could actually give to your favorite charity. Surely I could do all those things. Right? Is there something I could do for you, Dr. Fauci? And of course there always is. Samantha Power giving all that U.S. aid to Africa and U.S. aid to do all these different places around the world. And these ambassadorships are the same thing. They're gravy jobs. They're gifts. Like Amy Gutman, you know, the former uh, president of Penn, uh, was, you know, basically um, in control of the Biden Center. And it was... uh, Blinken did actually help cover up the anonymous Chinese donations to the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League. And so they got all that benefit. And in return, you know, they did all that work and they tried to cover up the Chinese donor donors. They made Biden a lot of money. And Biden then, when he got into power through election rigging, basically then gave back to them by giving them an ambassadorship and giving them a secretary of state-ship. And believe me, Hillary Clinton loved being secretary of state because she would sign agreements and she would approve agreements that would make countries a lot of money. Those countries, in turn, set up wired accounts to where people could get rich off of that. They're just wired accounts with, you know, So you're going to go ahead and give me $10 billion in aid and I'm going to set up this account and here's the password. And nobody's ever going to be the wiser because nobody will ever know how that money is spent. 
And taking $10 million off of a billion dollars is a crumb. It's an absolute crumb. And this is how these people are getting rich. It, the money is everywhere. And guess whose money it is? Guess whose money it is? The money is yours. You're working every single day paying your taxes. And that money is going out the door. Buying influence, buying power, buying personal profit, personal gain. Because you're not going to get that kickback if you don't give them something first. So basically, our politicians are giving a billion dollars just so they could profit for $10 million. And the billion doesn't even need to be given. And so when Donald Trump would turn these faucets off and guard, protect the oil in the Middle East and shut down the mercenary group called ISIS, and when he would do all these things, he made people like Lindsey Graham irate. You don't know what you're doing. This is good for the country. And just so happens that we get a little couple perks out of it. But it's still good for the country. You know, we can't give um, Ukraine direct military weapons because Russia will get upset. So we're doing it on the black market. If we make a little profit, so what? It's still patriotic and good for the That's what they tell themselves. They tell themselves this because they want to believe that they're doing right, even though... They're the only gig in town. They have a monopoly on that black market. And everybody's getting rich off of it. Mitt Romney did it. And a lot of other billionaires and millionaires did it as well. And Elon Musk it seems to be exposing a lot of that. He just got a $7 billion final investment to cinch the deal with Twitter. This thing's going quicker than, than we ever thought. And I always said, keep your eye on that. But if that thing goes quick and it goes right, Musk is a hero. Let's hope he is a hero. And if this thing gets drug out, then what they're trying to do is crush the competition, Truth Social, Getter, and Parler, and prevent conservative voices from emerging by still controlling the narrative and the voices. And so we still are on the fence and see, want to wait and see because it wasn't too long ago, it was 2018, that Elon Musk was wearing a jacket that said in Latin, in no uncertain terms, New World Order, on the back of his jacket. And, you know, he's a New World Order guy and a Freemason, probably. He, he made a crack about Freemasons recently, just like yesterday or the day before. But, you know, you just never know. You know, people with this much power, they have the right, to, they have the ability to do good. That was one of the reasons why I always had a problem with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky in that whole episode. Is here you have a slightly overweight um, young person suffering from self-esteem and self-confidence issues. And she's interning with the President of the United States, someone in his 50s. She's like 21. Someone in his 50s. And he has a right to actually, he has the ability to change some young girl's life for the better and be a mentor and give her a, a, a lift instead of a, a exploitation. And the most powerful man in the world who can get anybody he wants could have looked at this person, not as a victim, but looked at this person as a real 
opportunity to build somebody up and change their life for the positive forever. That's what a president does. That's what the most powerful man in the world should do. That's what someone in their 50s, when they're confronted with a young 21-year-old misguided uh, person who suffers from some some self-esteem issues, and this is what they did. But he exploited this opportunity because he's a scumbag, just an absolute pig. And he did that to this girl. Now, she did it to herself, but she could have been helped by a very powerful man. And that's my takeaway from the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky thing, how we got there. I have no idea. But in any case, I want to hear Lara Trump now comment on Joe Biden and his comments. And so let's take a listen to this. This is uh, this is pretty good. Uh, right. Oh my gosh. Well, good morning, Ainsley. Good morning. So outrageous. Not that we expect a whole lot out of Joe Biden, but um, even this was was totally ridiculous to label the MAGA crowd as one of the most extreme uh, political outfits in, in history. Give me a break. I guess he forgot about the roughly two billion dollars worth of damage during the summer of 2020 riots caused by Antifa and BLM. But of course, we never heard him say a word about those people. Um, Look, in case Joe Biden is interested in who the MAGA crowd is, Ainsley, these are people that love America, that get up in the morning, they go to work, they pay their taxes, they go to church, they believe in the police, they believe that we should be a sovereign nation with borders. They don't want to pay triple what we have uh, had to pay now uh, in gas and groceries from about 18 months ago. These are people that want to achieve the American dream and don't want the government smothering it for them. And yes, Joe Biden, they believe that like our founders, we shouldn't have a centralized government power at the federal level in Washington, D.C., and that we the people at the state level should be able to make decisions for ourselves. That is what this country is all about. But Joe Biden is missing the bigger point here because the MAGA movement was started because of failed politicians exactly like Joe Biden, because the American people were sick and tired of getting fed the same old garbage by politicians who would go to Washington, D.C., and then work for themselves and never work for the people. That is why this movement is founded, is people that love America. And I know I've heard a lot of people talk about it, like the deplorables comment we heard from Hillary Clinton not too long ago. It really fired people up. But they're terrified, Ainsley, that Donald Trump is going to run again in 2024 and that he's going to win because they've seen that in this election cycle alone, he is 55 and 0 in these primary races. And it just shows that the this momentum is still behind him. The Republican Party is still behind him. And over half the country, I believe, is behind him. Well, you brought up the Hillary Clinton soundbite. We have that from 2016. Listen to this. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. That did not help her. Have they not learned from the past? Well, of course they haven't. Uh, they, They try the same old thing all the time. It's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But that is 
part and parcel to the Democrat Party. Yeah, this did not help Hillary Clinton. In fact, it insulted a lot of Americans, which is what you heard Joe Biden do in, you know, that soundbite you guys played uh, from yesterday for him. Did not help at all. But, I mean, look at his approval rating. It is absolutely in the tank. They're doing any and everything they can to try and mobilize people on their side of the aisle. So they're they're trying everything now. The, the, the entire half of the country, people that support Donald Trump, um, are, are the most extreme political movement. Give me a break. Absolutely outrageous. And this abortion opinion could change. That was the first draft. But the conservative just, justices are saying they want to take abortions back to the states. But then Joe Biden's reaction to that is conservatives might try to ban LGBTQ kids from the classroom. He's saying that is now. Next. But that has never been on the table, and that would be discrimination. It's unconstitutional. Why do you think he's saying that? Well, this is fear-mongering. This is exactly, this is all they have left at this point is fear-mongering. Uh, I'll remind Joe Biden that Donald Trump appointed the first openly gay cabinet member in Rick Grinnell. There has never been, uh, it, you know, th this hyperbole that they are trying to use to scare people, whether it's interracial marriage, LGBT, LGBTQ uh, issues, it's all crazy. And none of it has any bearing on reality. But this is the last ditch attempt. This is their Hail Mary as they head towards the midterms because they know people on their side of the aisle, the Democrat Party, is not excited about anything Joe and Kamala have done. They're not excited about anything that the House and Senate have done while they have Democrat control. So they're, they're doing anything they can. This is Democrat control. So they're, they're doing anything they can. This is a scare tactic. It's fear-mongering, standard operating procedure for the Democrats. Laura, thanks so much. Wow, that was great. I, I thought that she put together that uh, whole piece. You know, the, her commentary was just spot on. And I said, I'm going to play that. I uh, couldn't agree with it more. And um, and then now I want to talk a little bit about inflation because the Fed's raising the rates a half a point. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, it's exactly what I was thinking, this guy uh, – I'm going to give you his name here in a minute. Um, but this guy basically uh, said exactly what I was thinking, which was, but he did it better. <laughs> he did it. He's so much more articulate about it um, because he's a uh, finance professor. Um, but what he was talking about, uh, he's talking about Jerome Powell waited too long. And just like, you know, they were very aggressive under the Trump economy where they kept on uh, raising uh, interest rates. To, they, they wouldn't uh, lower, the, they wouldn't give them quantitative easing. They gave that to Obama. They gave Obama quantitative easing and a lot of stimulus spending. And Obama raised the national debt higher than anybody ever could during his eight-year tenure. It went from something like 20 I have fifteen trillion to uh, like almost twenty five trillion or something. It was an absurd amount of money. It, it was unprecedented, and that's stimulus in and of itself. Just like COVID spending was stimulus, and of course it devalued the dollar and it caught made everything all the prices go up because all these people down at the bottom of the barrel were given a lot of money. They were spending it. And that was the only thing that was keeping these corporations afloat. And thereby, it was increasing demand, but it was also 
at a time when supply chains were rough. And, you know, there's a, there's still a lot going on with regard to um, China. Uh, I just posted up on social media this map where all these ships are waiting to get loaded up in China. And this map is just like thousands of thousands of ships coming out of China. And they're waiting to get loaded and take their goods and services around the world. You know, their goods and products. And these delays are happening in such a way that the truckers, this, uh, and that's something that when Terry called yesterday, um, I forgot to ask him this question, but um, this was the question I wanted to ask him. And that was, um, but he, he changed over into a different industry, fertilizer, so it was a little different. Um, so he wouldn't have had the answer to that probably. But um, the, the idea is that there, I read this report over at Zero Hedge that basically was saying that truckers are going to hit a wall, you know, hit a problem because the ports of entry here that might be backlogged now are going to be empty in the summer. In the summer, because of you know the supply chain over in China, uh, we're going to see a ripple effect, just like a tsunami. You know, when there's an earthquake in the middle of the ocean, like a silent creeper, um, hours later, you got the tsunami as a as an aftershock of the earthquake underneath the water somewhere else. It's going to be a ripple effect. And this is going to spell big trouble for the trucking industry uh, here in America as our ports We'll be sitting there waiting for the next shipment that's not coming because they're all delayed. And it's happening on purpose. That's the thing. This is done on purpose. There's a war going on that we're not even talking about, and it's not Ukraine. And it's this battle between this disrespect for Biden and China, basically saying, you know, we're aligned more with Russia. So it is a little bit with Ukraine, but then, you know, they're talking about new relationships with Saudi Arabia, South Africa. Um, They're working out relationships with Europe, who would sell out no matter what, as they have done with Russia. And, um, And so, you know, you have the BRICS thing happening. You have the ruble going to the gold standard. You have um, the currency, uh, the dollar currency. Once that goes, we're going to be in a deep water. We just heard um, about the fourth uh, the fourth uh, element uh, yesterday with uh, um, Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and going digital and surveillance and controlling your money and using a social credit score system, this control. And this is all about collapse, crushing, collapse, control, Cloward and Pivot style, Solinsky style, this radical approach to crushing things, to remake them in a way that works best for you. So there's a lot going on here, and it's a war that we're not talking about, but there is a war going on here. And this supply chain part of it it's part of that war. 
we've been talking about Kissinger's remarks, you know, about controlling the food, control the people, control the oil and energy. You control the continents and you control the banks. You control the world. Well, all of that we're seeing play out right now as we speak. Elon Musk is just a small little part of it. And we wonder what side of the equation he's going to be on. Because other corporations, other big companies like Bill Gates, Bill Gates and other big corporations, BlackRock and Vanguard, they're trying to come out and build a consortium to ban Twitter. And it's interesting to see that dynamic as well. But they're working in concert against free speech because it's free speech that's going to do these globalists in. That and free and fair elections. If we can master how to do a free and fair election, we can actually take back our country because there's no way in the world they have the votes. They never did. They never will. The only elections they're winning are the rigged elections. That's it. To pass their flippant agenda. And there's a really good piece with Victor Davis Hansen that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But let's listen to this clip right here. Inflation is the biggest issue in this country. People are concerned about it. That guy that you just watched, Jerome Powell, he got way behind on inflation starting okay. last year, which is why we're in this spot. So now they start increasing interest rates. That's going to be a big deal if they stick with it. The question right now is, will they do that? Because there's a lot of pressure for them to moderate on yeah. this because they know if they raise interest rates, the R word comes into play. The R word is the recession. OK, the R word is the recession. Will Jerome Powell cave to pressures from the Biden administration? That's the question. Uh, and say, hey, you raise these rates, you're going to kill the economy, even though it's the economy should be booming right now. And you can say, well, unemployment is down, but that's because people aren't going back to their old jobs yet. They're still going back. The jobs they say they're creating are the jobs, they're just being refilled by the people that filled them before. They're not new jobs. The GDP is in my negative territory. And inflation, the economy under Trump was so strong it could handle rate hikes. And it kept on tempering it. But under this Biden economy, it can't handle, it's, it's, it's anemic. Interest rates are still low. They need to get up a little bit. But your mortgage is going to go through the roof at some point. Let's take a listen. So he's talking about the recession, the R word. Here, it's recession time. That's the risk. He's downplaying that risk right now, but I think a lot of Americans are looking around and saying we are in a precarious spot. So this was a big move by them, but they've got to stick with it because we're in this position because Jerome Powell and the Fed and the Biden White House got way behind on it. By stick with it, do you mean do further increases? More. We've got to have more than this. Look, we're all, we're still only at their interest rate is still just under one percent, Pete. A one percent mm. interest rate. If we're going to kick inflation at eight and a half percent, that's got to go up by a meaningful amount, and it's got to go up quickly because if it doesn't, the inflation spirals. Okay, so if that does go up and goes up quickly, how does that impact? Borrowing and, and other aspects of it's, our economy. It's huge. Look, if you're buying a home right now, you're, you're saying, wait a second. Back in December, I was looking at 3% interest on a mortgage. 
Now I'm talking about five and a half. By the end of the year, that could be six. That jacks up your borrowing cost. This has real consequences for people, and they're nervous about it. People are looking at the home buying environment, for example, right now, and they're saying, this is the worst I've seen since 1978. Hmm. Remember 1978, what we were dealing with? Down of inflation, the same kind of issue that we're dealing with now. This is not a good spot. People are getting nervous. One thing the economists keep saying is the consumer is strong. They're going to plow us through all of this. Well, guess what? I don't think so. I think they're more wore out than a lot of economists are saying, and that's a real risk right now. I'm concerned that the Federal Reserve is already thinking too rosy about how fast it can fight Interesting. inflation. Interesting. So you, you're saying they should increase it if they want to head off inflation exactly. and a recession. But will they? I, I'm very concerned they won't. Even yesterday when they made this half-point rate increase, which was the biggest one since 2000, he, the Fed chairman also said, look, I think we're going to have a soft landing, which means I don't think we're going to get recession. I think we're going to kick inflation. The problem is he's the same guy who said that last year, calling yeah. it transitory. Don't believe what they say. Watch what they do when they deliver results. You know they've done their job. At some point, the numbers and basic economics have to kick in. Yep. If, if they want to really address, is this the only lever they can pull if they want to address inflation right now? We just showed the numbers yeah. on the screen, which are remain staggering and are, are, and are impacting people across yes. the spectrum. Take that seriously. Jerome Powell, do not lay back on that. The, the administration has a job, too. They want to keep spending their way through all of this, yeah. regulating their way through all of this. They have got to put a stop to that, and I'm concerned that they're going to use the Fed's rosy projections to say it's okay for us to turn on the spending spigots again. We need responsibility out of D.C., the White House, and the Fed. Their job is to kick inflation, and they're going to have to eat the consequences of a recession if we get one. But they've put themselves in that box. Americans haven't. They've put themselves Mm -hmm. in that box. And we're counting on the responsibility of Washington. Well, and the responsibility of Washington is what got us into this trouble because when we got off the gold standard we needed to be responsible more responsible than ever if we were going to gain that flexibility of getting off the gold standard so there is flexibility that was afforded to us with fudging fudging around with the dollar and the value of the dollar uh that was winning a good win for for the United States that we got off uh, we got the dollar off the gold standard and then we can kind of uh, manipulate it we can fudge it around a little bit and that particular uh, part of the equation uh, was fine until we got very irresponsible about it and that seems to be the you know the biggest the biggest issue right now and for the last few decades is we've not been responsible and so we got john from chicago on the line john hi scott nice to talk to you yeah um you know you, you you're tackling the right issue in the debt you write about the gold standard that removed any sense of discipline on the part of the government i mean let's look at the spending recently we spend and spend and spend and it's we're numb to these numbers. I remember, uh, you know, as I've said to you before, Milton Friedman once said, you can pay for spending in one of three ways, taxes, debt, or inflation. And the American people doesn't wanna, don't want to pay higher taxes. Okay, understandable. And then if you take debt on, you're just pushing off the inevitable. Or you can inflate it away. And that's 
to worry. We've been lucky because we've been able to sell our dollars overseas because of the petrodollar being the reserve currency. If that flow reverses, then you have a tsunami of inflation, and we've come very poor, or at least much, much poorer, I should say, much quicker. We're still more productive than, say, El Salvador. So ultimately, you have to produce, but you also have to, you know, you have to be disciplined. And it's like you could be a productive lawyer, doctor, engineer, mechanic, whatever, but if you're spending more than you you make, you know, you 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 impede, impinge, excuse me on your future uh, lifestyle, right? I mean, so you'll feel poorer in the future for a while as you pay off that debt. Right. Depending on how much debt you have, the longer so, you're going to feel so poor politically, the you're going to be. Politically, it's a hard sacrifice to make, especially in an election year, because who this is going to infect, impact is going to be, you know, a lot of Democrat voters are going to basically say, you know, this is killing me. The Biden economy sucks, and... You know, it's gonna it's gonna really have an impact in in an election. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if we've just tasted the beginning of it though. The problem is when it really goes down. I mean, look at the Soviet Union. That's now that wasn't as dynamic an economy. Perhaps it was forty percent as much GDP. You know, in other words, forty percent as much GDP, so four tenths as much as these at their maximum as the American economy was at, at, at maximum, perhaps. And they went from, as I understand it. Uh, four, about four million in poverty in the mid '80s, not not doing great, but not in, you know, but mostly weren't in poverty per se. And then by the mid '90s, some estimates, if this is accurate, it just blows me away. Some estimates are that it was 74 million, which is about half the country. Which is one of the reasons why Putin is popular because they've made a remarkable turnaround since since then, and, and particularly since 2000, when their GDP has increased about six times since when he came into office. Now, that process had already started because a lot of the hard work had been done. People had kind of started to adapt. But you can see the scope of what can happen. Now, that was a communist economy. We're, we're not that. Obviously, we're some sort of mixed socialist economy, clearly. You know, I think you'd admit that. But you, we, we haven't turned the corner on this. So I'm, I'm fearful that it's going to be much, much worse. And the, the, the responsible will get hurt with the irresponsible because you know what they're going to say. It's racist. It's sexist. That we can't leave these people behind. Even if they don't produce anything, we can't leave them behind. It's going to be the same game. And unless people really wake up, I mean, look at the spending in Ukraine. We just sent another $33 billion on another um, plus the $5 billion we already sent. You know, think about you know and, 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 and think about it. Uh, think about all the kickbacks that are going on with those deals. I know. I, I, well, because that, that's laced into it. It's like pork. It's, it's, it's pork. It's just pork for Ukraine, the way you've got pork here, because how do they do military contracts? They have military spending and production done in virtually every congressional district in the country. So everybody has their nose in the trough, and that makes it so much more difficult to extricate us. It's like a, you know, it's like a national budget on crack. It's hard to get everyone to kick the habit. I mean, you know, I say Reagan was... A trillion dollars in debt, I think, when we came in, roughly, and it went up under him because of military spending, and you know, and they had a lot of inflation at the beginning. Um, but, but, um, but, you know, so that a trillion, we just pissed away. Excuse me, language, but we just threw away, you know, forty billion, probably more like fifty on Ukraine in the last couple of years, and no one bats an eye. Yeah, well, I don't know how you reverse that. You got to admit you hit bottom at some point. Right. Right, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that's 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 my comment, and uh, I, I feel we have more inflation to go. The good news, it'll help Republicans 
the bad news, it'll hurt everybody. Yeah, it'll hurt everybody. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, John. Thank you for calling in today. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right. Take Have care. All right. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, it's a, sort of like pay me now, pay me later kind of deal. And it's uh, it's scary, you know. Um, and not only that, but the, 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 the workaround to the Federal Reserve raising the rates is they come up with another COVID and they give stimulus spending. And they give these COVID checks out, right? And... That's that's what really did us in. That's like quantitative easing on steroids. And that's the problem is this artificial spending because the money's coming from the tax base, from from our government's debt and deficit. And we're paying interest on that. And that's the other a- angle too. As interest rates go up, we pay interest. Our country pays interest. So that's a big deal as well. Um, there was two, uh, two, two different articles. I want. Well, I wanted to get into this one too. This, this interview, but I think this is going to run long. But let's see. Let, let me take this. This is Tim Ryan on whether or not he wants Biden to uh, campaign for him. Biden, will you invite President Biden to come campaign for you? Look, we welcome everybody's support, um, but I will be the face of this campaign. I don't think, you know, sur- surrogates are going to play a huge role here. Biden. <laughs> so that's Tim Ryan, basically the most popular president in American history. Does that sound like that to you? The most popular president in American history? That's the response? Let's take a listen to that one more time. Will you invite President Biden to come campaign for you? Look, we welcome everybody's support, um, but I will be the face of this campaign. I don't think, you know, surrogates are going to play a huge role here. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if he was the most powerful president in the world, (laughs) that response would have been a lot different. You have to agree, right? It's absolutely absurd that anybody could believe that Biden didn't rig the election to win. You know, the Democrats did that. That was telling. All right. Um, there's a really good article that I'm posting up on uh, Lime. It's uh, by the Federalist. The constitutional crisis that Roe v. Wade set in motion is now upon us. And it's a good article. I don't think we have enough time to cover that one. Um, but I also wanted to get into this one. This is this is also something that was very interesting. Um, Victor Davis Hanson, losing the people, losing the people. That's a question. Then change the rules. The left sees success only. Uh, let's see. Oh, we're out of time. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, bye, everybody.